guys? We're back for another exciting episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play, and I am pumped for today's guest for a couple of reasons. One, because we're talking about golf. I mean, that's kind of the point of the show, right? But this guy is a stud when it comes to social media and teaching. Like Star, he's got partners out the wazoo. We'll talk about some of those in a little bit. And Andy followed me on Twitter recently, which was really cool because I've been following this guy for a long time. The name is synonymous with golf instruction. He's a top 40 under 40 with Golf Digest. And we just got a lot of stuff to talk about. And maybe before the end of the show, he can teach Tiger how to putt. But we'll talk about that in a little yeah. bit, too. So I don't know. That's a, that's a challenge. I'm not sure any teaching pro is willing to take on right now. But tonight's episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play is presented by Eat Sleep Golf. This episode is also a part of the Golf Radio Network, a syndicated network of golf podcasts. So a lot of really cool podcasts joining that sh- that uh, that series. And Gabriel Aloisi has done a great job kind of getting all of those into one kind of funnel. So anywhere that you want to see this content, it's easy to obtain. Get it on YouTube every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Or you can get it via podcast on iTunes and Google Play. But whatever you do, if you're sitting at home, click the subscribe button down below. But do me one thing more than that. Click on the notifications button. Turn those notifications on. That way you don't have to look for it. It comes right to your inbox every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. That way you get this content. You don't have to do anything more than open your inbox. So on tonight's episode, we're going to talk about golf, golf instruction, a little bit of Tiger because, I mean, we have to because, you know, Tiger's kind of my man, right? So we have Travis Fulton from Travis Fulton Golf. He's in Jacksonville, and this is kind of cool. He's going back to the Hoosier State. He teaches a little bit at a club in Indiana, my homestead. So, Travis, welcome to the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play, man. Hey, Ricky, thanks so much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm a fan of the show. I've watched some of your episodes. It's, uh, it's nice to, to put a face to the name. I know we uh, interact on social media, so thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Dude, absolutely. You're a logo on most social media, so I just have to watch your YouTube videos to see what you look like. But I appreciate that feedback, and it's really fun to have you on the show to kind of Talk a little bit. A lot of stuff going on is the best way to put it. I mean, if you just go to your website and on the homepage, you can tell that you're a busy guy and you stay very focused on both teaching the game of golf and growing the game of golf. So let's just start with the logo. Now, that's kind of the foundation of any company, any brand. Your logo freaking rocks, by the way. It's so simple, but it's so powerful. So talk about the logo. Who designed that? The colors. Just kind of give us the overview of the logo and then transition that into the brand of Travis Fulton Golf. You know, I've got uh, I've got some good friends here in um, in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, and um, they have a, an extensive background in that whole you know bit of things. And um, when I went on my own, I was I was I was working for the PGA Tour Academy for a long time, the director of instruction for them. And um, I when I went on my own about two and a half years ago, that's one of the first steps, of course, that you have to make. You know, you have to uh, you got to get a you got to get a logo, right? You've got to become a brand you got to you're an entrepreneur officially right so um, we went to work on it they did a terrific job you know just with the whole uh, brand campaign the look and feel trying to really you know capture who i am and and um what the brand's going to be all about so we uh, we had we had two or three different options there we, we elected that one the uh, the colors uh are absolutely the same colors with uh, the Seahawks. As you can see, this is my cave. I don't know if you can see it right now. But <laughs> I was I've picking that up. You have the shirt on. You got yeah. the stuff on the road. Right here. So you can see. So that's the – this is the East Coast clink, Ricky. So, we, you know, on the West Coast <laughs> and the Northwest, this is the loudest stadium. You know, they, they call it Century Link. But um, for short, the clink. So I, I, I had to build it over here. This is my little sanctuary where I – I, I come to, it's my office, it's where I eat dinner, it's where my kids come in and mess everything up, and uh, I don't can you hear that music right now? Actually, I can. So Google, hold on one second, because I think, hold on one second, I think we've uh, we've uh, inspired the, the Google home, one, one second. Yeah, man. This is fantastic, because I knew, I assumed when I saw the logo that it was the Seahawks, because my boss is a big fan of yeah. the Seahawks as well, so that's uh, that's that's pretty yeah, fun. that. I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm a little bit of a nut. You know, we had a nice run there uh, for years and we're in a little bit of a rebuild mode. But but anyway, back to the logo. Um, the uh, the the logo has, uh, you know, I can't take credit for that. It, it's uh, it's it's a good team here that uh, that put it together. I love it. And um, it, it really kind of got my brand and what, what, what we've been trying to do over the last couple of years off on, on the right foot. 
So you have the 18 Birdies logo on your website. I was actually talking to them today, as yeah. a matter of fact, about getting them on the show later this season. Um, Josh, who was a gentleman that used to work for them, was my point of contact. He's no longer with the brand, but I know that you work closely with the guys over at 18 Birdies. Tell us a little bit more about your partnership with those guys and kind of what that looks like. Yeah, you know, we just finished season one of the Stripe Show. I don't know if you've got to catch any of that. Uh, you know, that was a lot of fun um, to, to see really a, a kind of a, a vision and a dream of, of what I, I wanted a show to look like, you know, kind of the next uh, generation of, of an instruction show. And um, 18 Birdies uh, really liked the idea when I, when I met them about a year ago. And um, we went into a partnership and we, and we executed the Stripe show under the 18 Birdies um, brand. It was, uh, it was a great success. We did 25 episodes. We moved it all over the country. We had some great guests. And uh, of course, you know, the, the underlying theme of the show is, is instruction and, you know, a Stripe show can mean so much in golf, right? You know, it can mean that perfect impact. It can mean that perfect straight ball flight. Um, so we're, we're crazy about the name. We, we, we liked how it looked and feel. It's very, uh, it, it, it's, it's laid back. It's, it's casual um, and, and it's approachable and it's a lot of fun. The entertainment value is, uh, uh, we feel like it's at an all-time high when it comes to an instruction-based show. So 18 Birdies is a great company and, and they've, they've only been at it for two and a half years. What they've accomplished in, in one and a half million uh, subscribers is just crazy. And um, they're going to be a force uh, to be reckoned with for years to come in our space. And I'm just, I'm just excited to be a part of it. That's really cool. And to Stripe show, like, I mean, hitting the you know, middle of the fairway in the middle of the club face. But I also like a lot of Troon facilities specifically will post these pictures on Instagram. You talk about Instagram before we went live of like just fairways striped, like just green on green on green. And I like to say, you know, hashtag Stripe show when I see those pictures. Like I say nothing more. It's just hashtag yeah. Stripe show. So when you came out with the show, it was like a fantastic name. And I, not that I was upset that you didn't have, you know, pictures of fairways, but, yeah. you know, still, I, I get the point. Now, your tagline, though, is great information, right order. And I love that because it's so simple and it gets straight to the point of what you're trying to accomplish. You're trying to give great information in the right order as it takes for a student to be able to take that information and use that to his or her advantage. So talk a little bit more about that tagline, where it came from, and what it means to you with your teachings. Well, I think, you know, I mean, I think in today's uh, era of teaching, it's appropriate in that um, there, there's a lot of great information available that that's out there. And, and I think that's a that's a important first step, obviously, in anything that you're doing. You want to get you want to get good information, right? You don't want to be dealing in, in bad info. I think as an industry, we continue to grow um, in, in what's really happening. We know that the science and the, and the ability to measure things um, has helped that substantially. But, you know, I think what's maybe kind of gotten lost a little bit is in, in the art of teaching is, is the actual order and, and the application that um, needs to take place. And, and, and as we know, the golf swing is in, in short game and putting and there's just this whole game in itself. Uh, this whole holistic approach itself can be um, overwhelming at times. And I think, you know, the order in, in how you apply things to a student is, is probably the most important aspect of it. So, you know, I always, I always try to pride myself on anything that we're doing, whether it's, you know, the Stripe show or it's a, it's a, a segment on Golf Channel or um, talking to Hank Haney on, on Sirius XM or talking to you right here that, you know, you, you want to try to give them good info, but understand your audience as far as, you know, and putting things in the right order. Give it context and, and let them understand that you're feeding it to them in a very particular order and how you would like them to consume it, how you would like them to learn. And I really think that gets into the art of teaching. And, um, and that's something that I, I really try to pay close attention to, especially in an era where there's so much great information out there. And to that point, there is a lot of information out there. And I can kind of relate that to, to me a little bit. So I had never taken golf lessons in my life. Got to Naples, started taking lessons with a guy, and um, basically wanted to quit golf. It got so bad that I was done. Like, I, I hated the game because I didn't know if the ball was going left, right, or straight, and I had no idea why it was doing that. And I ended up being convinced, basically, to take lessons with Bernard Sheridan, who works with Impact Zone Golf here at Tiburon. He and I just literally hit it off like we were best buddies, and we, we spent as much time talking about life and anything non-related to golf while on the lesson tee as we do talking about what I'm doing on the lesson tee. And 
he just gets it, right? And I think that that's part of it, the information that he provides me, and he moves me an inch, and it changes my game by a milestone. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's, to that point, like, the information being in the right order, it's, it's, it's struck a kind of a chord with me because, you know, if somebody steps up and says, hey, move your foot this way, move your grip this way, and start swinging this way, it's like, wait a minute, pretty sure I know how to swing a golf club. Like, let's just figure out why I'm hitting it five yards right to left instead of straight, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, I appreciate that ease of, uh, of a tagline that you've created. And I can tell in the, what I've seen of your teachings is that you speak to students that way too. It's you're not trying to change everything from the ground up. You're trying to focus on what they have. And, you know, like you look like Jim Furyk, right? Yeah. Awful swing. He's obviously figured it out. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy shot 58 and he's your Ryder Cup captain. Like the guy's got it dialed in, right? But it's a terrible swing, so to speak, but it works. And you can't go into him and say, okay, stop doing that and stop doing this, do this instead of that. I mean, you just got to work with what you have and you kind of get that. And that's Bernard. I don't know if you've ever seen yeah. his work, but yeah. he's a, a rock star. And, and I, uh, I love the work that he and I have been doing together. So I can kind of relate those two. So I, I dig that tagline. Yeah. Now, Golf Digest, you're one of the top 40 under 40 instructors that's with them. Fun. That's I'm over 40 now, so that's uh, that's got to come down. <laughs> you don't look over 40. Now, take that logo off your website then because yeah. I think some people might think that you're still under 40. Unfortunately, I've got to I'm going to have to remove that one now. I've I've been pushing it well past the deadline. <laughs> the top 40 under 50, how about that? Yeah, there you go. When you were on that list though, as the top 40 <laughs> under 40, what did that mean to you as an instructor and being associated with such a great list of instructors? You know, I've always been a huge fan of Golf Digest. I have a lot of, um, I have a lot of uh, really close friends um, that have worked for that uh, company for for a long time. And you know, just looking at what they've meant to the industry and what they've put forth, and certainly have the challenges now from print, everything going from print to digital, and seeing, you know, the success that they're having in doing that. You know, it's it's a smart group. It's a uh, a well established group. So it meant a lot to me, you know, when, when, uh, I made that list, which was, I think I made the list when I was 31, uh, 32, somewhere in there. And then, and was able to stay on the list until now I just turned 41, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, it, uh, it's just, it's, you know, it's nice to get those, you know, kinds of things, you know, as you, as you go along to be recognized as, you know, one of the top young teachers that was, you know, moving along. So, um, you know, I'm a big fan of them. I, I continue to do work with them. I, in fact, I just, I just did their, uh, we just did their first ever uh, junior golf uh, digital series uh, that will live in their all access uh, subscription model. So um, it's really cool to see them doing more now in the junior space and, and to kind of be a part of that as the first, you know, teacher in the digital space for the junior platform for them uh, was a bit hard. But I, I've, I've been a big fan of Golf Digest. I was reading it when I was, you know, 12 years old, 13 years old, you know, growing up in the game and then to see myself in the magazine and become friends with all these really talented people has been, has been really cool. So a little, a little uh, trivia about me. I, uh, I'm a, I'm an organized hoarder, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. I have subscribed to Golf Digest probably since about 12 years old and I've never thrown away an issue. I have yeah. boxes and boxes. Even to this day, I read it on my iPad, but I have Right here on my desk, I've got stacks of the last four or five issues. And what's cool about it is that as I go along and the older I get and the more of these shows that I do where I get guys like Brandon Stukesbury is a good friend of mine. And I don't know if you know Brandon. He's based out of a club in Macon, Georgia. He used to be at TPC Las Vegas at PJ Tour Academy. And he, he is – for me. No kidding. Yeah. Shut up. Cheers. Yeah, I know Stukes very well. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. So – Funny story, total side side to what I was saying. I actually, uh, we evacuated the hurricane, Hurricane Irma here about a year ago this week almost. We evacuated and, and he uh, he took us uh, took us in for a few days. So uh, Stukes is a very, very good close friend of mine oh, yeah. and, and just a dear friend. He's been on the show twice. He may, when he releases his next book, he will be the first ever guest on this show three times for three totally different things. So that's pretty exciting. But yeah, he's so, yeah. That's cool. I'll make sure I text, text him when yeah. we're done and be like, I guess make sure you watch the show in a couple of weeks. But, you know, I, I flipped through this magazine and I see guys and girls that I know and I'm like, hey, I know her. Hey, I know him. Hey, I know him. And that's cool, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I'm not a pro. I'm not a teacher. I'm not PGA. I'm a part of the CMAA program, right? But I still, it's really neat to be able to flip through such a major 
well-known, well-established publication that is like, I mean, there's nothing bigger than Golf Digest in my book. I mean, yeah, there's no. Golf Week, there's Golf Magazine, there's all those others, but Golf Digest is kind of the, it's kind of the bar. And that's yeah. neat that you've been involved with them for so long and you've been in the magazine. And to your point, I mean, you know people that are in it because, my God, you're in it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So you've got a ton of followers on Twitter. You're super active and super popular on YouTube. What's kind of been your finger on the pulse, especially in an instruction perspective when there's so much content? Go to YouTube.com yeah. and type in how to not hook the ball and you'll find a thousand videos. What's kind of been your secret sauce for that? And what's your favorite network to work on? Well, you know, Instagram has is really my hub for me. And, um, you know, to be honest, you know, Ricky, I probably was a little late to the game. I was uh, very much on the TV side working for Golf Channel for uh, for four years. Um, and then, you know, really kind of focused on on that front and, and was probably a little late as far as focusing my business on and growing, you know, my own personal brand on the social media platform. But um when I finally did, you know, come to a little bit, I, I, I really in, thought that Instagram would probably be my, my best spot for me to, to get my message out and to be creative and, 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 um, and put some stuff out there. Uh, my Instagram's at Travis Fulton golf. And, uh, and really, you know, Ricky, we, we committed about, I'd say about probably eight, nine months ago. And um, we're pushing 25,000 followers already, which is really cool. And um, to, to have that kind of grow so quickly. Um, and, and if you look at it, you know, th there is a, so much information out there, right? But, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for, you know, kind of thinking outside the box, trying to do creative different types of, of things. You'll see some cool formats that we do on there. One of them is called Feel versus Real, which is very popular, where you'll see kind of a split video screen. And, and on one side, it's me demonstrating the feel and then how that translates into what's really happening. And, and as we know, feel and real are, are, are can be totally different in golf. So people have really related to that kind of message, right? Again, it's not just, it's not, it, it's, it's probably info they perhaps have heard before, but the application and the presentation of it in the order and how we put it in is, is probably very different than how they've ever seen it. So I think those kinds of, you know, platforms, feel versus real. We do another one. It's called making par. I just posted one from uh, Victoria national playing 18, bringing such a cool hole, you know, to life on playing the hole and how to play it and really give them um, four specific things when the context of hitting a tee shot, hitting an approach shot, hitting a short game shot and hitting a putt to think about that obviously can help them in the journey of, of, of playing a hole. So, we do, we do a lot of different kinds of creative things on Instagram. And then really for me, um, with two little kids, it's hard for me to be really active on the Twitter front from a conversational standpoint. I, I do as much as I can. Um, but honestly, Instagram and now even YouTube on the long form version of these things um, has, has really has been successful, even more so than my own website. I mean, Instagram is, uh, is really a crazy animal and it's a lot of fun. That's really cool. And to that very point about Instagram, I mean, it's obviously it's owned by Facebook, but it's growing faster than anything. Facebook is going the opposite direction, quite frankly. And I think that was a smart decision for Facebook to buy Instagram. But, you know, I, I'm a Twitter junkie. I love Twitter. I love Google Plus. And just and talk about long form, Google Plus is kind of that. You can kind of say a lot more. And Google being, you know, YouTube, same way Instagram and Facebook. And the fact that you're so active on YouTube, I just, I just it's it's cool. And you're, you're so fast to respond on on Twitter too. If you're not that active, if you say you're not that active, guess what? You're pretty active from what I yeah. can tell. So you respond quite quickly. So I appreciate that as a as a fellow Twitter Twitter uh, user. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. you. Well, yeah, you do. I mean, it's really it's and I look at Twitter as kind of a kind of an immediate like if I'm sitting in a restaurant and I'm having an issue and I tweet at the restaurant, I don't expect them to respond. I expect them to respond before the server comes back to the table, and that's that's not a bad thing from a consumer perspective because now the brand has to respond. Yeah. Literally last week I'm standing at an airport. I'm 30 minutes before I board and I wanted to upgrade my seat. I didn't want to walk 20 feet this way to go to the counter. So I tweeted them and they respond and I, I, I didn't get the upgrade that I wanted, but it wasn't the point. I only did it as kind of a social experiment to see I don't have to stand up and walk over there. I can tweet them and get the answer. They know what flight I'm on. They know who I am. They know exactly what's going on. And the fact that they're able to respond faster than me getting up and going and actually talking to someone, quite frankly, is is just a, an, a 
when I say an experiment, it's just it's proving the fact that I don't need to to communicate with them the way that is expected, right? And and you know, I, I tweet you and and you respond and I could have a conversation with you and only see your logo and never know who you are, never know what you do past your Twitter profile. So yeah. it's just it's it's a cool way for us to be in a in a, I mean, we call it social media and it still is considered that, but it's it's more than that. It's just it's a new communication format and it's even to the point now to where I don't even like talking on the phone. Like, text me, tweet me. I don't want right. to talk to you. <laughs> so now you teach at several clubs, Pablo Creek in Jacksonville. You have another another club in Jacksonville. You're at Victoria National in uh, my home state. And I hate calling it that because I haven't even been back to Indiana since I moved. But, you know, it's still, you know, I'm a hoo-hoo Hoosier, even though I graduated from Purdue. So, boy, they're up. But, you know, talk about the clubs, how you work with those clubs. Are you a contractor? Like, what's your partnership? Like, you have your studios there kind of what's that look like from you on a on an instruction basis at these individual facilities yeah i split time here in northeast florida i i teach at a private club called pablo creek which is a uh, a beautiful um private place here in northeast florida and I, i'm there two days a week working with their membership and their um immediate family and friends and you know how that whole private club works and then um the the other club i'm at is at jacksonville golf and country club here um, which is, which is also private, but is, you know, kind of much more active and in outreach into, um, bringing in new potential members and those kinds of things. So, uh, that's where I shoot the show, the Stripe show, uh, as part of my contract there at Jack's golf is, uh, to shoot the show there, really showcase the golf course, um, and, and, and help from an awareness standpoint. But then they also let me bring, you know, my other clientele in which I, I spend about two days a week there as well. So I split time between those two and then um, usually three or four trips up to Indiana, Victoria National, uh, similar, you know, type of situation where I'm, it, it is a private club, but, but bringing an awareness to such a amazing property in, in Southern Indiana, ranked 43rd in the country, um, the hardest course in the web.com tour. I mean, really a spectacular place that, uh, um, ha has really, you know, turned its direction to the national membership model. And I think in since doing that and, um, and the things that they're doing has really made an impact on that type of facility and the exposure to um, so many people across the country now that are national members and come in and really enjoy, you know, what is a, a top rank conditioned uh, championship golf course. So you have a lot of logos on the bottom of your website. Like I'm talking Trackman and 18 Birdies and Callaway. Like get some, yeah. get some big brands listed down there. So talk about those logos a little bit. Are they partners of yours? Are they just brands that you support? Do you wear those logos? Do you play those clubs? And what those logos mean to you as an instructor? Yeah, well, you know, I, you know, I've, I've really always, I've kind of split my, my business uh, into two different um I don't want to say directions, but two different departments. One, of course, the instruction side, uh, which I've been doing for, you know, 20 years. And, um, and, and through the instruction side, um, partnering up with, you know, key technology groups like TrackMan, who's, you know, I think probably the, the top launch monitor in the game and certainly the standard on the PGA Tour. Uh, Swing Catalyst is, is, a, is a terrific, um, another piece of technology that I've, that I've done some, some stuff with from a, um, pressure mapping, force plate standpoint. Um, and, you know, of course, all three of the facilities that I'm at, Callaway, um, I've been with for um, many years now and, and obviously is doing extremely well in the business, very creative in, in content creation and obviously some of the best um, equipment that we've probably ever seen uh, in the game. And then, of course, 18 Birdies with the show, you know, and, 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 really partnering up with them from a content creation standpoint. Some of the other ones you see um, is really the other part of my career, which is, um, is, is as kind of a personality, right. And, and, and entertainment. And, you know, I've, I've had been fortunate to be able to work with golf channel for many years, um, golf digest, um, PGA tour entertainment. You know, I host a show for the PGA tour. Now it's, um, uh, it's a fantasy golf show that they do. In fact, I host this afternoon. Usually it's Tuesday afternoons, and we do that right here in Ponte Vedra headquarters. So, you know, there's there's the teaching aspect. There's the the, the TV digital aspect. And um, it's been fun to kind of, you know, 
not just be a teacher, but be able to kind of showcase, you know, some other skills and talents that, um, that, uh, that I think I have and, and um, that I enjoy doing, frankly. I, I like the balance of it. And um, I've been fortunate enough to have these key partners, as you mentioned, um, that you see on my website. So I don't know if you know Jeff Ritter at all. He's, yeah, he's based out of that. California. He was a uh, buddy of mine when I lived in Arizona. You're both kind of in the same kind of ballpark. Like you guys got a lot of stuff going on. You're involved in a lot of different brands. And yeah. And, and yeah. So I, I'm going to kind of relate you guys a little bit there. So yeah, Jeff's, Jeff's good dude. Yeah. Jeff and I, we, we know each other very well. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. He's uh, so funny story about Jeff real quick. He's been on the show. His wife's been on the show. So that's the first, the f- <laughs> I've, I've got a lot of these like first, right. And he's the first, he and her are the first like, you know, husband wife duo to come on the show for, and I'm not going to tell you whose episode was better. I'll let you watch them both to figure cool. it out. But hers was pretty good. I'm just saying. I bet. I bet. His was actually the first episode I did as a Floridian. So I, I had no furniture. I'm literally sitting on my patio out front in a beach chair because I had no furniture for the first month that I lived here. So that was a pretty fun, pretty fun evening. Um, so you have a mailing list on your website. Every website's got a mailing list. And, you know, email marketing is a big deal. I do a lot of that at Tiburon. How many subscribers do you have and how often are you emailing your list? You know, that's a, that's, that's a good question. I would say from a, from an email list standpoint, I've got probably 10,000 at this point. Um, but you know, all, I would say of those, you know, are not my close private lesson clientele, then I'm, I'm certainly communicating with them to some degree. Um, but more on, I would say on the social media aspect, you know, from a teaching standpoint, I would say my clientele, I do bring in a few new people from time to time. What's really growing for me is on the, on the long distance digital front. That's where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm probably advertising more of that to them and through social media um, from that standpoint. But as far as like, you know, advertising out from a, from a, one-on-one private lesson standpoint, you know, I don't do a whole lot of that. I'm, I've been fortunate enough being in the same spot for the last 20 years. I have a, a really strong base of people that I communicate with and, you know, they book, you know, well in advance and I'll bring a few new people in from time to time, but the long distance app, app aspect through my coach now app has really grown. And um, it's been fun to, you know, reach out to other students that can't make it down here but yet still work with them from a one-on-one standpoint, still give them good information, still get them moving in the right order and, um, and teach them, you know, as you know, literally through your phone. <laughs> and that's awesome that you're able to do that. And technology has obviously changed. I mean, you can do a lesson with a guy that lives in, in Canada as much as you can do a lesson with a guy that lives in Australia. Like yeah. it's, it's very cool to be able to do that. And the technology right now, like you and I are not in the same place at the same time and we're having a conversation that's streaming live to YouTube. Like that's, that's cool. Right. Yeah. Now, as an instructor, and, and unfortunately, this, this brings uh, the front nine to an end. This is your last question on the front nine because, like, we have yeah. so much to talk about. This is fantastic. Your, your lessons, you have a, your rate is published on your website, and some, some pros do that, some don't. I've seen lessons as low as 25 an hour, as high as $500 an hour. What is, what is your lesson pricing structure like? How did you decide to, to charge what you charge? And do you change that and adjust that based on your clientele or do you just know that that's the rate you charge based on the research that you've done? Kind of what's your model? Well, I think, um, you know, for me, it, you know, when I first started teaching, I charged uh, in, I was in uh, Arizona actually. And I, I charged uh, $50 for a lesson. You know, that's, that's where I started. And when I moved to Florida, our first rate was $70. And as you teach and as you accumulate students and as supply and demand changes and all that, then of course you can start to, you know, kind of bump your rate, you grow within the chart and those, on all, all those kinds of things. And I think over the years, um, you know, my, my rate has been able to kind of incrementally grow and as I've grown in the other aspect of my business from the TV side, that's helped that as well, right, from a notoriety standpoint. So, um, you know, it's kind of worked itself into where it is now, which is I charge for a new student 225 for an hour. But then, they, you know, you always have that series of five rate, which is, you know, 1000 bucks at 200 an hour. 
so that's where I, and I, and I just work from a one-on-one capacity standpoint. You know, I don't do um, really any schools at this point. I do a fair amount of corporate outings where I'll go and, you know, work with groups and corporations and things like that. Um, but when I'm here in Florida or in Indiana, I'm working in that one-on-one capacity. Um, and that's, and that's my rate. My, my online rate um, works really well. I, I charge 175 a month, but that's, individual too, where they send video and they interact with me, you know, two or three times a month. So, um, you know, or 1500 for the year, you know, a lot of my students will just sign up for the whole year and then are able to, you know, interact and send me video, you know, on that, you know, two or three times a month basis. So, you know, those are my rates. They've, they've, um, you know, they've changed, they've grown fortunately over the year, just, uh, um, you know, through some of the things that I've been able to do. And, and, and that's kind of, I guess, where it stands now in teaching, you know, which, which is really, I really now teaching three and a half, four days a week. That's really cool. And it's cool that you're being able to utilize. I mean, you're obviously more than just an instructor. You've got a lot of stuff going on. Like you said, with the entertainment piece, your show, which by the way, has one of the best names of a show. Yeah. Even though you don't show fairways, I'm just saying that's what I call a stripe show. But you know, I, I love the fact that you're able to, to reel all that in. And quite frankly, the rate, based on where I am here in Naples and the experience that I've had with instructors and just seeing the prices that they charge, like a buck 75 kind of seems like the starting point. Right. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've, you know, I've got buddies in teaching Arizona that are three and a quarter to, you know, you know, guys like, I mean, you mentioned Hank Haney earlier. I can't imagine what he charges, but he's yeah. obviously got a little bit of notoriety having taught yeah. Tiger. I mean, I don't even know if Haney teaches anymore. I mean, the guy might just, Much. I mean, why he doesn't need to. Right. But but, you know, I, I, I appreciate all that you do, and it's yeah. really fun to follow along with everything that you've got going on, all the different an, and avenues. And, again, I'm going to compare you right to Jeff Ritter because that dude's got his hand on about 45 different things, and I feel like you do too. And I am the same way. I've got about 45 things moving on, and i got to do this, i got to do that, i got to do this, yeah. and it's in about 10 different avenues. So I can totally relate to that and respect the heck out of that. So. Before I let you go, though, we're only halfway there because okay. that was just the front nine. That was the, that was the business side of the show. As, yeah. as you said, we got to go to the back nine. The back nine is where we have some fun. So you ready for your back nine? Let's do it. All right. What's your favorite golf movie? And if you say The Legend of Bagger Vance, this interview is over. <laughs> you know. I actually like that. When I say that, I like that movie a lot. It's not my favorite, but I, mean, I like Patty that movie Shack a lot. Is, is, is awfully tough to beat but i mean happy gilmore is just funny i mean dude how good is that movie i mean happy gilmore is just yeah i'm gonna give it the nod thank you thank you tin cups close tin cups like the serious version of happy gilmore yeah i'm 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 i i tend to probably err on the less serious side when it comes to most things why haven't there why haven't there been a good like a good golf movie though like right like there's good nascar movies there's good like dramas there's you know like there's not been a good, high-quality, like, high-dollar golf movie. Like, Tommy, Tommy's Honor was good. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, I had the executive producer on this show last season. It was a fantastic movie, and I saw that right before I went to St. Andrews. And it was really cool. And if you haven't seen the movie and if you've been to the home of golf, they filmed none of that in the home of golf. They were there in Scotland, but they were not actually at the old course. They recreated everything, and it was pretty cool to see, yeah. but, you know. It's not a it's not a good golf movie in the respect of like a good like blockbuster film. So that's Happy true. Gilmore was. <laughs> now Tiger, let's talk about Tiger real quick. Yeah. So first he came he came back one. I mean Bravo, like that's fantastic. Like a year ago he couldn't walk, right? And then he couldn't hit fairways and he was putting lights out. Now he can't putt, but he's yeah. hitting every fairway. If you could spend an hour with the man, what are you fixing? Well, I'd probably just put the Scotty Cameron back in his hand, right? I mean that's. That's kind of uh, that, that's where I'm tending to lean. You know, we talked about Tiger today on the show on the on the on the PJ Tour Fantasy Show, and he, you know he, he obviously hit the ball good last week, but he made nothing, and then he was at the bottom in strokes gained putting. Um, you know, I think the finish at the PGA was important for him. You know, as far as I don't think he needs the win for this comeback to be a success. You know, but I, I did think he needed to play well in the major. You know, because he, he really he hadn't too much until the Open Championship. He played that great in the Masters, missed the cut at the U.S. Open. Um, you know, obviously had a little bit of a run there at the Open and then made a couple blunders coming in. But um, his performance at the PGA, I thought, was, was, was really important. You know, the putting, 
doesn't bother me that much. I think when Tiger came back, what would have really bothered me is that if we saw some of the short game things that we were seeing earlier in Phoenix, you know, from a few years ago and those yips and. I was there when he hit that. Yeah. He had a chip shot that went about a foot. Yeah, and the drivers, you know, all over the map, which, you know, Tiger's never been a good driver of the ball. You know, I mean, he, he was decent when he was young. But even, you know, late in Butch days and in the Hanks days, like, he, he was never a good driver of the ball. I mean, he hit a long ways. But, you know, fairways, the bottom of the list, right? So, um, so I, you know, I think right now it's like I, I'd like to see him just kind of go back to the basics with the Scotty reopen that up and um and just continue doing what he's doing it, it's just a matter of time i mean he's he, he's going to win i hope he wins one of these playoffs events i think it'd be really cool wouldn't uh, that i mean and he's won about he's won in boston a lot yeah so he's I played think. boston well this is a good golf course for him for sure i mean he's uh he, he's he's he i wouldn't be surprised if he clipped this one off here this week if, if obviously get the putter going well and, and to the point of him i i said you know i go back a year ago literally a year today He's standing on the side of the road getting arrested and he can't walk and his back hurts. And he admitted uh, literally a year ago he admitted I may never play golf again. Yeah. But now he's he's hitting the ball 340 yards off the tee and he's competing in golf tournaments. He's at the top of the leaderboard. He's making cuts. He's he's placing. He's I mean, two of the four majors this year, he almost won. I mean, the open was close. Yeah. Those couple of bogeys late, that double in that bogey. I mean, three over on the, on the back nine. But then, you know, at the PGA, I mean Yeah, he's right there. How do you, I mean, how do you, how, what do you do when the guy shoots 66 in the final round? Yeah, like, I mean, you're not yeah. going to compete with that, right? But yeah, he played well enough to win that major for sure. But, you know, he shoots 66 on Saturday and he hits two freaking fairways. Like, yeah. you talk about him hitting the ball far. He hits a far, he hits a far left, he hits a far right, and he still makes birdie. Yeah. And one of the two fairways that he hit, he made par. Like, I mean, just the guy's, the guy's unreal. And it's, just, it's going to be fun to see what the next, you know, 10, 12 months bring for, I agree. for him and the tour. Yeah, I agree. So be honest. How far do you hit your driver? You know, it's funny. I, you know, I don't hit my driver that far. I'm six foot four. I wish if I had to go back and do it all over again, I would have learned to swing harder at a younger age. I think I fell into the control aspect too soon, you know, and we see in today's game and certainly training young kids. I mean, you're, you're, you're always you know, you're always getting them to, to recruit, wind up, crack the whip per se, you know, really maximize speed as, as they grow. I didn't do that when I was younger and I think it hurt me a little bit. You know, I, I, I hit it probably 290, which is respectable, but for, some pretty of my, good. <laughs> for, for someone my size, you would think I would be hitting it probably 305, you know, 310. I think I kind of fell into the Matt Kuchar, you know, style there a little too much um, finesse and control. And I think, um, you know, in, in my swing and the way that I, that I move it, I mean, I was a decent player, but I, I didn't maximize the distance aspect. And I think you, you have to be able to do that at a young age, you know, because as you get older and you try to increase that and intensify, it's, it's, it's difficult to do. Now you've posted about this a couple of times. You've hit a couple of retweets. When are we going to see your version of the Kiki challenge? <laughs> yeah how good true. is that by the way like yeah. that's so much fun i like them all yeah yeah the guy the guy doing it and then running into the post is probably <laughs> my favorite. and um you know it's funny in twitter right you just never know what people are going to respond to and, and then what they do respond to I, I i don't think i've figured out the twitter mentality <laughs> quite yet but um yeah there's been some funny ones hadn't there i mean there really is and i and and you know what i, I think there's there's potential there of of uh of, of that challenge coming to life on 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 my uh social media channels maybe perhaps coming to you really soon i like <laughs> it good stuff do it in a golf cart that'd be fantastic yeah, right yeah that'd be good what is the best golf course you've played and the worst golf course you've Jeez. played the best well you know i played i played at college in an nai school called lewis and clark state college and we and I made it to the national championships my sophomore year. We played Southern Hills in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they've had, I think they've had they've had two U.S. Opens and one PGA there. That was pretty cool. That was uh, and they set it up like a U.S. Open when we were there. So that's cool. 
yeah so i i would i would put southern right there for sure as you know um at the top of my list you know the worst golf course there's a little there's a little golf course here in saint augustine um just south of here uh, and I, I, you know, the name slips me. When I first moved here 20 years ago, I went out there and, uh, it's, it's not the St. Augustine country club. I'll think of it before the show's over with. And it's just terrible. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just terrible. It's just terrible. I mean, there's, you know, it's really narrow and then there's fairway bunkers. It's like, you don't need fairway bunkers when it's like really narrow. Right. And then you got holes like, crossing i mean you literally need someone out there like directing traffic <laughs> to, to get from three green to 40 and then then you come back from eight green i mean it's like good grief you're looking around golf balls are flying around it's just it, it's a disaster i've never been back that hence why i can't think of the name right now <laughs> so i won't google. play that one when i come up there to see it google i i turned off my uh this, this google home that that i got for my uh, birthday as you heard the music earlier, you were playing I'm... you were playing top 40 there so it was fine <laughs> now who is in your perfect foursome and i sometimes preface this with alive or dead i, I don't i don't care who's in your... tomorrow you're playing golf who's who's rounding out your foursome <laughs> well i think you know royal saint augustine that's the name of the golf course. royal saint yeah. i love it that you literally just looked that up thank yeah, you google.com yeah, that's it <laughs> My, my foursome, well, I would say, you know, I mean, you got to you gotta go Ken Griffey Jr. for me. You know, I'm going to go to my Northwest, awesome. my Northwest roots. You know, I mean, Griffey was my idol growing up, and he lives in Orlando, and I've met him a couple times. And, oh, you've met him. That's cool. Yeah, he, yeah he's great. Um, he's not a good golfer, by the way. <laughs> no. He can hit. I mean, he can, he can, yes, he can. He hits the ball a long way. I hit balls next to him way. in Arizona. At a property, I was playing. Um, I'm, I need to Google it because I can't think of it. And I, there's no, there's five people on the golf course. I'm hitting balls by myself. He walks up. He literally goes to the stall next to me, and I'm like, "You got 47 stalls. You're King Griffey. I don't care." <laughs> right. That's hilarious that you that you've uh, had the chance to meet him. That's really cool. Ken Griffey, uh, Eddie Vetter, and you know, just to you know someone that could you know kind of keep us entertained and, and, and singing and the whole bit right back to the grunge days but in my last you know i think you have to, from a player standpoint um you know I, I think i'll probably put arnie in there you know i think i think the king would be would be just beyond entertaining right and accommodating and the whole bit i think that would be i think that would be a crazy foursome right there Awesome call. Yeah. Four majors to choose from. What's your favorite? Well, growing up, it was the U.S. Open. Um, you know, that was like the one, right? And NBC had it and the horns and, you know, like it was like this, the greatest golf tournament spectacle ever. I'd put it near the bottom now, I know for me, um, and what, what's happened there and transpired with the USGA. I think it's unfortunate. So, you know, I think I think Augusta probably takes it for me. You know, the Masters now um, number one, and then um, I think the PGA moving earlier in the season will be great for them. But I go, I'd go Augusta, I'd go the British Open, I'd go, you know, PGA and U.S. Open tied for third. Okay, I'm mad, I'm mad at the U.S. I, I I've probably been hanging around Hank too long. You know, on 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 his show. I mean. You want to get him going? That's all you got to mention on Sirius XM is 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 the USGA. <laughs> He's got so many valid points, and and I just uh, you know that's where that's for the second show we come back. We'll just do the whole like back down of the USGA. How's that? So you you mentioned Hank a couple of times, and I I've talked to him on Twitter, and yeah. I've never invited him on the show, but I'm just saying there may or may not be a season finale coming up here that he might need to come on. So. Yeah. Slip him a good word. You know, you've been on the show. So, like, you've just teed him up to have him come on the show to talk a little bit about his career. So, sure, sure. now, okay. So, we haven't really talked about my obsession with Tiger. I mean, he's staring above me. I drive a red and black car because he wears red on Sunday. I'm not kidding. I do. 
be careful how you answer this because we've become quick friends here. But do you think he breaks Jack's record? Why or why not? You know, I don't think he. I, I don't think so. I mean, I think he's. It, it would be something that no golfer has ever done before, right? In, in the amount of wins that he would have to take on now, he's forty-two years old, right? So, I, I think the odds are stacked against him. Um, and I think like we're seeing just how hard it is for him to, to get back and win. Right. I mean, I think the, the tour is more competitive. I think it's deeper um, with the talent these days. I mean, these guys um, are, I mean, Brooks kept it right. Won that tournament. I mean, Tiger perhaps wins that tournament in his heyday, just through the intimidation factor where guys are losing two or three shots just from Tiger being in the hunt. Well, I mean, Brooks, Brooks went forward, you know, I mean, so it's uh, it's a new era. I think the, the 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 odds are against him right now. Being forty two, I do think he'll win again. I do think he's going to win another major championship, um, but I think it's uh, I think it's it's a little late for him to to break Jack's record. Okay, I don't like that answer. I respect yes. it. I I hope he does. I mean, yeah, I, yes or no? Yeah. Do you think he can? Of course he can. I mean, if there's anybody that can you know, overcome history and what we've seen right in this game, it's going to be Tiger. I mean, Tiger's played the greatest golf that I think has ever been played. Now, is he the greatest golfer of all time? It's hard for me to say because I, I wasn't there watching Jack. All we can do is really, I mean, Jack's record speaks for itself. So I think from a greatest player of all time, I mean, you have to say Jack is. Now, the greatest golf we've ever seen, I think Tiger's run there <laughs> in in his prime was just incredible i mean and and um will he ever get back to that point probably not but he's getting closer to winning again and and who knows right you know the one confidence takes people a long ways and when you have the skill set and you have the belief and you have the genes of tiger woods i think that's that's the next step for him he, he needs that win and now he's confident that that confidence where's that going to take him right now? Where's that going to take him over the next four or five years? And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he did. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me one bit if, if he did beat Jack's record. But do you, a year ago, six, six months ago, eight months ago, did you think that the guy would ever play again, let alone be in the hunt on Sunday at a major championship? Like that's, that's what I, and you talk about the field being deep and the field being stronger. It's because of Tiger. They had to get oh, better to beat him. He yeah. falls off for two, three, four years, and then now they're better because they had to get there. And, you know, you talk about Brooks Kepka, like, he may never win another tournament. I mean, he will. I mean, he's good, right? Yeah. Like, if he never did, I wouldn't be surprised. And if he walked in the door right now, I'd be like, who are you? And, I'm, I mean, I would yeah. know who he is, but the idea is that he doesn't have that aura, that excitement that Tiger has. And I, the, the no. biggest thing that Tiger has done since his comeback has started is when the Brooks walks off the 18th hole, to go sign his scorecard, Tiger's there. You yeah. tell me in Tiger's heyday in 2001, 2002, yeah. if Tiger waits around, if he's not going to win. He's on his plane yeah. leaving on his way to wherever he's going. And I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for Tiger, that he's showing a little civility and a little you know human essence to himself. But I, I, think, I think it's probably a good – I think it's a good thing in that this is where he's at in his life. I mean, Tiger's a different person. We're all different at this point in our life than we were, you know, back in our mid twenties. So I think, it, I, I think it, it is a good thing, you know, for Tiger at this point in time, this version of Tiger, I think certainly um, more appealing across, you know, to all of the masses. I think there's probably less Tiger haters than there were, you know, 10, 12, 14 years ago because of this version of, of, of Tiger. He's more approachable. Um, he's, he's, He's very supportive, you know, I think of some of these younger players, even just what some of the stuff that he's done with Bryson DeChambeau and the impact that he's had on his career. You know, Brooks has, has, has spoke to it, Justin Thomas. I mean, these are players, this is what he's created. Is what he, he's trying to beat players that in so many ways he created and he inspired. These guys admired Tiger. They tried to swing like Tiger. They tried to hit it as far as Tiger. They wanted no weaknesses in their game like Tiger. They wanted to be mentally tough like Tiger. They wanted to be strong like Tiger. 
and that's what you see. I mean, that's what you see in Brooks Kepka. You see this big, strong athlete who can who can get it out there, but that also has um, the finesse game. Jason Day is another one who's, you know, admittedly texted all the time with Tiger when he was winning his PGA Championship. So these are the guys he's created. Now he's back and, and he's competing. He's getting closer. But let me tell you something. He's going to need his entire game to win. He's not going to win with his B game. He's going to need to hit the ball reasonably in play. He's going to need to be sharp with his irons, and he's going to need to make putts because Tiger back in the day could win with a B-plus game for sure. And, and a lot of that was because of his intimidation. These guys aren't intimidated. I mean, they're, they're, they're ready to go toe-to-toe. They hit it a country mile. Um, they embrace. They want Tiger there. They embrace it rather than maybe shying away with it, which arguably could be the biggest difference between Tiger now and what he's up against versus, say, 10, 12 years ago. Awesome. What a great answer. Fantastic. We could talk about Sagar all day. But yeah, you could. You could. Yeah. You're, you have been an awesome conversation tonight. This has been so much Thank fun you. getting to know more about you and your career and what you're doing. you got a lot of things going on. I'm going to make sure to text Brandon as soon as we're done. I'm not going to let him yeah. wait to watch this. That's fantastic yeah. that you worked with him. But your final question of your hashtag Wednesday match play presented by Eat Sleep Golf is, What's next? I mean, you got your finger on the pulse of about 45 things, but what's next for Travis Fulton? You know, it, all it is is just is is feeling like you're moving in the right direction. You know, that's that's uh, that's all it is. And I think, you know, social media is part of that. My teaching at my my three clubs uh, is part of that. Uh, the growth with 18 birdies and PGA Tour or Golf Channel, you know, whatever, you know, that ever changing landscape, whatever that becomes. You know, for me, it just feels it's always you feel like you're moving in the right order or you, you feel like you're moving in the right direction. Um, you know, you're, you're learning from your mistakes. You're getting smarter. And as long as those things are, are happening, you know, I'm, the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate it. I actually hope that you and I get the chance to play some golf together because yeah. like, we're both Floridians, right? Like you're only a few yeah. hour drive. So come down to Naples or I'll, I'll come, come up see and you. see you. That'd be I fantastic. Down there. I got some friends down there. We'll, uh, I, I, that's, that's not out of the question this winter. I'll make the trip. Awesome. I mean, the best place to be in the winter is in Naples. I mean, 85 sunny, light wind. Yeah. We got an LPGA tour event. We got a PGA tour event. And then season starts. Like, yeah. that's like the preview to our season here are a couple of PGA and LPGA tour events. So, Again, Travis, thank you so much. This has been awesome getting to know you. I appreciate the follow on Twitter. We'll stay connected and make sure that we tee it up sometime soon. This episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play will be available on YouTube. It'll be on iTunes and Google Play via podcast. Anywhere you want to find it, it's going to be easy to connect. It'll be on the Golf Radio Network, an easy place for you to find a lot of good quality golf-related podcasts. As always, on the Hashtag Wednesday Match Plays, you have to remember to eat, sleep, sleep, 